0: Hi, this is Suzy Quattro, and you are listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popov. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Martin Popoff here, back again with another episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are pleased, as always, to be part of this fast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Megaphone, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, this is episode 153, and uh, many of you have asked for this after the last episode. Uh, no bottom end, so what do you, what do you think we got to do this time? It's no top end, of course. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a logical thing uh, as well to do after this, uh, so thanks for the uh, suggestion. Uh, first of all, I want to say I'm really sad losing Alan White. Uh, yes, his drummer, uh, a a Couple days ago, few days ago, um, you know, super nice guy. He was always good to meet and good in in an interview. He's just a just a jolly guy. Um, he was he was uh, you know obviously long long time yes drummer played with John Lennon, super important guy in our world. But uh, you know, and family man uh, lived over in Seattle, the Seattle area, which is kind of interesting for a lot of years. And and uh, I can't remember exactly what he he told me in interviews, but it I think he was kind of an outdoorsy guy as well, if I remember uh, correctly. But yes, uh, sad losing uh, Alan White. All right. Um, so yes, episode 153, No Top End. This is a little, um, this was a little harder to do or harder to find compared to the No Bottom End uh, issues and, uh, and albums we found. But I also found some kind of interesting things uh, around this sort of thing. I think it's I think it's easier to get top end than it is to get bottom end. It's probably easier to mic properly and uh, put properly in the mix um, cymbals and high hats, uh, which is what we generally uh, you know associate with top end. Sometimes vocals can be muffled. Sometimes we get uh, we we get the top end taken off vocals, and sometimes you actually can hear uh, a loss of top end on um, you know electric guitars, guitars through fuzz pedals. So sometimes the guitars don't cut through as well, but generally when we complain about top end or think about top end, it's uh, it's hi hat, whether it's uh, you know a tightly closed hi hat or a little bit of an open one. It's those it, it's those nice pinging ride cymbals. It's those big splashy uh, crash cymbals. Uh, that's that's usually our markers for uh, top end snare. Sometimes as well, snare definitely has top end on it, and that that could be missing. But let's dive into it again. Again, I want to thank Mick Phelan and Neil Miller um, for a few uh, for some input, some suggestions. And also Tim Derling, I I uh, asked him as well, uh, you know, what what he thought for some albums with no top end. But uh, let's get into it. Uh, yeah, I've I've got a few things, uh, possibly uh, a couple of quotes from Mick a little bit later. Uh, but let's get into our first one. This is Budgie with Rocking Man. Nighttime. All right, so this is Budgie. Um, they were the first band that I thought of uh, when when I thought of this episode. And and as the rule always goes for coming up with these five examples, usually the first one that comes to mind, um, you know, even if it gets overtaken by other things, uh, it gets a hallowed spot. It gets put in here because uh, it was the first that comes to mind. And why did, why is Budgie the first that comes to mind? Well you know, definitely what you just heard, um, this album, this is Budgie's second album, Squawk, issued September 1st, 1972. It's definitely locking, uh, lacking in top end, but, um, you know, Budgie's kind of a double down band because the first album lacks in, uh, top end as well. Kind of interesting. Uh, these are produced by Roger Bain, who's known for working with Black Sabbath and, uh, and didn't particularly have any top end problems with, uh, with Black Sabbath. But yeah, the first Budgie album, Budgie Budgie from 71, one really heavy album for 1971 uh, is is lacking in top end, as is Squawk. Not so much the third album, uh, Never Turn Your Back on a Friend, but when you get to the fourth album, which is uh, essentially a self-produced album, In For The Kill, it also lacks a little bit for top end. And then Budgie kind of never has that problem ever again. Uh, if I were Britannia, I'd waive the rules. Could have been in the last episode. I didn't mention it there, but to me, that's an album that lacks bottom end. Um, Bandolier is one of most. More- most beautifully recorded albums you'll ever hear. Uh, that's got everything. Uh, but no, Budgie uh, definitely doesn't really have that album, uh, that problem anywhere else. So you know, uh, possibly uh, you know, when when you second guess these sorts of things, normally um, I think uh, one theme here is that you've got a pretty inexperienced producer and you've got a band. Uh, definitely on a limited budget uh, making their first records um so that might come into it which might give you a little bit of the Judas priest factor right Rockerola and and even sad Wings a little bit Sad Wings is a pretty darn well recorded album but um you know it if if anything is lacking it might be a little bit at the top end and Rock-A-Rolla is definitely also a really good recorded album for 1974 but it might be missing a little top end as well um and the other reason which is kind of interesting here is uh you know essentially the leader of the band uh is is brooke shelley who we sadly also lost uh, recently He's the bass player in the band. So sometimes uh, if the bass player is kind of uh, got the ear of the engineer or producer or is uh, is big in on the mix, you'll get the bass turned up a little bit and um, you'll and and bass will overtake bottom end. Uh, But just just generally speaking, uh, when the bass player is the uh, leader of a band, you definitely get, you know, some extra attention paid uh, played to the bass. Uh, which is kind of, uh, you know, semi-expected, I guess. Um, And also on this uh, sort of, I've broken these a little bit into themes, but also, uh, you know, you might look at a little bit um, this inexperience thing happening, this young band, this baby band thing, um, also seems to apply a little bit to what I call ZZ Top's Brown albums, right? ZZ Top's first album and Rio Grande Mud. Uh, You know, maybe Rio Grande Mud, I'm thinking, is lacking a little bit in top end because of the title of the album. It's got mud in it. But no, I I think both of those lack a little top end, as does Tres Hombres, uh, frankly. Tres Hombres is not a very well-recorded album. Um... But it's lacking top end and bottom end, I think, a little bit. I think that one's just kind of mid-rangey. And then they sort things out, and and that band, boy, they they just come up with some of the most interesting, awesome productions uh, moving forward in in a number of directions, actually. Uh, So there you go. Bit of a baby band theme to that one. Let's take a listen to our second selection here. This is Rush with the Trees. Okay, so that's Rush, and uh, very importantly, that's Rush from the second live album, Exit Stage Left, uh, issued October 29th, 1981. Um, So as Wiki says, I mean, the band kind of went back to the studio, um, you know, uh, after the tour, and they they tinkered with this a little bit, uh, you know, and the guys have always sort of admitted it, there was a little bit done, you know, Alex talks about, oh, some of the guitars were out of tune, and they might have fixed up a few vocals, but uh, I don't know, I I don't see that for for, for sure here I I can't quite remember but there was definitely some 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 touch-ups and some remixes and stuff going on uh with this and then uh later on um they belied Getty said that they made it sound too perfect in parts uh, but then it says by reducing levels of audience noise while lifeson for his part thought the album sounded too clean and not as raw as all the world's a stage you know really the the fan favorite, the the soft spot, is for all the world's a stage. But I wanted to pick this one here because um, this definitely also follows a theme, and that's the theme of the the second quote unquote corporate live album. The you know the live album after the band is big sort of thing um, often. Um, kind of lacking, like Alex says, some of the excitement of the first live album. Uh, like I say, the fan soft spot is for the first one and then the second one and then show of hands and, and have a million live albums after that. But but this really lines up with the idea of Blue Oyster Cult's Extraterrestrial Live also um, lacking some high end. Uh, you don't really hear much hi-hat in there. Um, of course, that's where... You know, the odd situation where Rick Downey, the, the drum tech, is now in as the drummer, so it's not it's not uh, Albert doing that. And Thin Lizzy's uh, Life Live, um, which frankly sounds a little bit like Black Sabbath Born Again, which is another album that lacks uh, top top end. I'm not using it as an example here, but I do mention it later. So, you know, one of the reasons for this is when the band is big and famous and they're playing A Big Place... Um, you're now you're now recording with a mobile. You're probably in a hockey barn of some sort. There's a huge crowd. It's not one of these special theater gig situations or big warehouse gig situations where you in- invite in a bunch of fans. Uh, it's free. You start you start the song. You stop it. You start it again. You play it you know two or three times. That happens sometimes with live albums as well. So basically, this is this is in a way more live in in that um, you really are. Are capturing live gigs and then you know some bands take take many 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 um, takes I mean, not takes, but, uh, versions of songs over a bunch of shows and then pick the best one, but all, also often they're comped together and people, you know, producers are playing with the crowd and mixing a little, a little Edgar winter into this album and blah, blah, blah right. Um, I, I, I can't remember. I, I mentioned Edgar winter because definitely, uh, one of his crowds was used. I think it might be on blue oyster cult, but, uh, but even rush albums, you, you hear, you hear, um. It it's quite quite amusing when when you um you know get these interviews from producers and they tell you I used a little of this crowd, a little of that crowd, a little of that crowd, doubled it, all that sort of thing, right? Um, but no, so so you are um on these records, you are dealing with uh generally a uh, you know, a hockey arena uh recording and uh and that's what you're left with. And the other big thing is, of course, um you can go in and doctor um Vocals, you can doctor guitar, you can pick the best take. But one thing, you know, the producers say and basically don't do very often, if if they've ever done it, um, it's pretty hard to go in and replace drums on these live albums, and and so that's kind of what you're left with. And uh, the harbinger, harbinger of uh, of high end, as we've talked about, is. Is the drums. So if you don't get uh, if you don't get a great uh, feed from the from the hi hats and cymbals and snare and all that stuff, then you're left with what you're left with. Um, so I did go play. I did go play extraterrestrial live and, and life live again and notice that. Um, I didn't go play priest live, you know, priest dot, 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 uh, four dots, I think live exclamation mark, um, to check, uh, what it's top end situation was or scorpions worldwide live. Um, but I don't recall them as, as having, having these problems, but I thought these ones were kind of like this. Interestingly, I did go play. Yes. Yes. Shows. Um, so, you know, the second big live album there. And there, I've, I noticed the top end from from Allen's uh, d- drums uh, is there. Uh, but what you notice there is that uh, the guitars are uh, are low in the mix and seem to be sucked dry of of some of the high end on that. So uh, so interesting. Um, that's uh, the theme there. Uh, again, to recap, uh, was is the corporate second live album situation with uh, with no top end. All right. this episode of History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work. Not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp Help.com slash five songs. That's better. Help.com slash five songs. Thanks again to Better Help for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's move on to our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is a band we've just talked about Blue Oyster Cult with Tattoo Vampire. Okay, so uh, Agents of Fortune, the the big album, because Don't Fear the Reapers on it. Not a great sounding album, and definitely it's got problems with the top end. This fits in in almost the theme of just generally muffled and malaisey feeling albums. You know, I was going to pick uh, This Ain't the Summer of Love because it's got kind of like a like an out of phase echoing back slap on the drums. Uh, you know, Albert's drums are often not recorded that great, and they definitely sound pretty bad on that. But Tattoo Vampire, I wanted to. Vampire. I wanted to pick, um, you know, a song that had had more of a straightforward drum part, so you could really see here um, how you're just really not hearing any clarity in his uh, in his symbols, you know, ride, crash, high hats, a lot of variety on this album. Pretty cool record. Uh, a lot of people, yeah, I mean, they, they just have many great albums. And they're one of my favorite bands of all time. Um, but you know, in terms of no top end, um, I find the first three albums all to be just a little challenged at the bottom and the top specters, I think has pretty good top end mirrors is their best recorded album and, um, possibly Cultusaurus might be missing a little top end. That's your Martin Birch recording kind of in a mid rangey zone. And then I think, uh, fire of unknown origin is a, is a very, you know, well-recorded album as is revolution by night, even club ninjas quite well-recorded, but yeah, this one definitely has a problem with that. It makes everything sound kind of muddy on it. And, uh, you know, honestly, this is this is it's something that almost any time I hear anybody talk about Agents of Fortune, they do mention the production. It's just not very good. This this Murray Krugman Sandy Perlman uh, kind of thing that happens and and really blows cult. You know they definitely had some problems early on with productions. Um, I guess it's it's kind of the way they wanted to do it. You know Albert's always kind of classed himself as more of a jazzy drummer, wanting to be a little non-obvious. So he might be a conspirator uh, in that as well in, uh, in having the drum sound that way. Um, it's kind of funny. Um, Mick, Neil and Tim Derling all mentioned journey arrival released December, 2000 sign. Uh, I was going to play signs of life and I w- I went through and played it and I, I kind of should have, I mean that that would have been a good one to play because here you're getting a later years studio album which just shows that you can botch this uh at any point in, in your in your career. And that's a Kevin Shirley production. And um, you know, I think it's Mick that or Neil that mentions um Iron Maiden Senjutsu too, uh, which is Kevin Shirley. So Kevin Shirley, uh, you know, I, I can kind of feel that on on some of those maiden albums as well, that maybe Kevin Shirley doesn't do as great a job with uh with top end as, as we would like. But you know, I, I went and played a few tracks off this arrival album that all three of them mentioned. And, uh, and definitely it does feel, uh, feel that, uh, as, as well, that there's, there's too much stuff going on elsewhere and, uh, and they kind of forgot to, uh, to add the treble back in, in a big way. It doesn't sound bad. It's a pretty expensive sounding album. This is, I think it's the first album for Steve Augeri. Um, but what does Tim Derling say? Uh, agree on Journey Arrival, which is Kevin Shirley production. I don't like his production style at all. It sounds like he has every drummer turn their snare off. Uh, pretty interesting, but, uh, but yeah. And so, yeah, the, the top end on the snare, I guess, is missing a little bit as well. I don't, it doesn't sound like it has a snare off, but, um, a, a little bit of, of, yeah, that, that bite is missing, uh, on there as well. A few other ones I wanted to mention, maybe in a little bit of this zone in the spirit of our third track, this idea of albums that just generally feel a little muffled. So this is not what we would have talked about in no bottom end, uh, particularly, but these are albums that are lacking a little top end, but they still could have a fair bit of bottom end or mids. But but just something about them feels just this general idea of muffled, which I guess is the definition of no top end anyways. But uh, Ted Nugent's State of Shock, I've always felt that. It is one of my favorites, if not my favorite Ted Nugent album, actually. Um but it does sound a little uh, muffled at the top end. Mott the Hoople, I didn't go through the albums to check, but Mott the Hoople definitely has one or two that is missing a bit of that. I thought The Firm's two albums uh, were lacking, and I I played them carefully. I was considering uh, picking The Firm for this, and what I find there is you've got a fretless bass player. You've got Jimmy Page doing kind of weird things. Um, you've got a pretty big, big beat uh, down down at the bottom as well. So, yeah, in a way, uh, although I did notice that, you know, the, the cymbals and hi-hats are more or less captured correctly there. Another one I almost picked, one of my favorite albums of all time, uh, Iggy Pop, New Values from 1979. Uh, that's in a little bit of this, uh, you know, the th- it, where you don't actually I don't want to get into that now but but it's it's one that fits here I'm, I'm going to talk about it on on the fifth selection a little more uh, Nazareth No Mean City sounds a little muffled a little lacking in in top end um, and then you know a, a famous one that I didn't want to pick and play and talk about too much but Black Sabbath Born Again definitely missing a bunch of top end the guitars sound weird all the drums sound weird the bass sounds weird um, so everything's uh, a bit odd on that one but definitely definitely you're not you're not hearing the symbols well enough on that all right let's move on to our fourth selection take a listen to this this is kiss with parasite Okay, well, this is another famous one, Hotter Than Hell. And oddly, you know, having now just talked about Born Again, Kiss Hotter Than Hell sounds a lot like Born Again, doesn't it? Um, and like I say, it's it sounds a little bit like that Thin Lizzy Life Live as well. And, and frankly, Thin Lizzy Thunder and Lightning a little bit as well. But um, Hotter Than Hell famously doesn't have very much top end on it at all. Uh, it's got very kind of gut, gutted, huge, monstrous guitars in the middle, weird, echoey drums. Uh, But yeah, uh, all of that stuff conspires to take away your ear attention and, and maybe you don't notice that it doesn't have as much top end, but it's definitely missing. Um, And then I thought, you know, an album we talked about on the last episode of having no bottom end Iggy and the Stooges raw power also doesn't have a lot of top end. Dio sacred heart is another interesting one where people find it screechy and mid rangey, as do I. So it's missing top end. And I think it's missing bottom end venom. Welcome to Hell, Black Metal. You know, we talked about them a little bit and we talked about them on the episode about recording badly on purpose, but one of the things they are definitely missing is is very good top end. I thought Motorhead, Motorhead, at least the first album, is a little bit missing in top end. They do pretty good with top end elsewhere and they have a complicated bottom end because the bass player is the leader of the band. Um, Neil or Mick, I think it was Mick that mentioned uh, Master of Puppets by Metallica. Don't particularly agree with that. Um, that's a really good production and it's almost like one of the best produced albums that pays a lot of attention to mid-range. Um, but uh, what whilst playing paying a lot of attention to mid-range, it does a pretty interesting job with bottom end and an interesting job with top end i think they're both there um but yeah that's that's kind of a cool one and i've got again thin lizzy thunder and lightning's a little bit in here as well um because i think that's a little little bot um little botched at the top um couple of kind of redlined albums that uh you might consider uh in this discussion of no top end rush vapor trails and metallica death magnetic um so here you've got the um it getting a little red hot at the top end. Um, so the top end's there, but it's a distorted top end possibly you know rush went so far as to remix uh, vapor trails. Um, but yeah, that's one that people complained about complained about the production in general, but really what they're complaining about is is the distorting of the top end, I think on it. All right, let's move on to our fifth selection we'll discuss. this is Aerosmith with Magic Touch. Okay, so this is from Permanent Vacation, 1987. Joey Kramer is the band's drummer. And again, uh, the drummer is usually the place where we discuss top end. Um, one of the interesting things here and why I've got this as a little bit of a category, this is the whole idea where certain producers, bands, drummers, whoever is loving the idea and pushing the idea, really plays around with the uh, the, the production of the drums and is inclined to say, I don't want any hi-hat in there, or I want very little hi-hat, or I'm gonna mix the hi-hat back. And it's gonna be, in Aerosmith's case, it's gonna be all about this big sort of corporate sheen of of a big pounding bass drum and a big treated snare drum, almost like dance music in a way. Um, and, uh, and I think you get that with Aerosmith quite periodically throughout. And uh, and Magic Touch is definitely like that. Dude Looks Like a Lady is like that. Ragdoll is like that. Flesh, Eat the Rich uh, from Get a Grip, some songs on Get a Grip. Interestingly, though, I went through all the songs on Permanent Vacation, and I realized that, you know, Bruce Fairburn, this is a big, complicated production, and, uh, and the band is really smart and likes to try a lot of different things. So... It's not every song is... is He didn't just say throw away your hi-hat and ride cymbals. I don't want to hear them because uh, you do hear them on the title track pretty clearly. Um, so, you know, again, this is a band just, just being very creative and looking for different things to do. But Aerosmith definitely has that problem. Um, there are a lot of things they did later in all those Aerosmith albums that nobody likes very much um, where they just take it too far with the drums. They take it too corporate um, and they, you know, the snare doesn't sound like a snare, the bass drum doesn't sound like a bass drum. They're massaging in hand claps and tambourines and, and all sorts of, you know, electronic sounds and and it's missing it's missing that that humanity and that recognizable thing of a hi-hat and a ride symbol. And proper crashes. Pump's a funny one. Pump is quite brash at the high end and it's, it's, uh, it's generally one of the less treated of, of all these later albums, but, oh yeah. I mean, music from another dimension and, uh, and, and what's his name? Just push play. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that where, um, where that's missing. So, uh, and then I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, I could up, you know, potentially do a whole episode on this, but there are a lot of these albums where, you know, there is a very clear production choices. I don't want you to hit any symbols or, or very few symbols. And again, that could come from the drummer. It could come from the producer. It could be, come from the leader of the band. Some famous examples here are uh, Kate Bush, the H- the Hounds of Love or Hounds of Love. Uh, Peter Gabriel. Uh, I think you get a lot of that on security, but you also get it on the third album, Melt with Intruder. Um, so you, you get... Um, You know, I don't, I don't know. I didn't go through them. You know, like I say, I could probably do a whole episode on this, but there's definitely, uh, I don't know how often he's doing this, but, but in quite a few spots, uh, along the Peter Gabriel catalog, there's this challenge to play without symbols. And Phil Collins does that as well on his own solo albums, uh, King Crimson Discipline. Uh, you know, so Bill Bruford is, is kind of famous for having, having done this. Um, you know, uh, Either Tim or Mick, somebody brought up a couple times, I think, Stone Temple Pilots and Purple. And one of them mentioned they remember seeing them play a song on TV and there were actually no cymbals on the drum set. That's pretty wild. I've read that uh, McCartney 2 is uh, not not a lot of cymbals, very few or whatever. ABBA has done this a lot. Beach Boys Pet Sounds apparently doesn't have a lot of cymbals. Adam and the Ants, it was one of their um, you know, trademark things, not a lot of symbols being hit there. So that's kind of cool. So sometimes it's, it's for those reasons. Now, a lot of these records I mentioned, um, you, you don't feel that they're muffled, um, that, that they're missing top end top end is still there. It's all recorded properly. You just don't get, you know, the, the instruments that deliver a ton of top end, uh, out of them. So of course, Hounds of Love sounds amazing. And Peter Gabriel sounds amazing and, and all that. All right, a few honorable mentions. Mick Feelan did mention uh, melancholy uh, in the infinite sadness, the Pumpkins album. I didn't go play it. I, I didn't particularly agree. Uh, but what does he say there? This Pumpkins album sounds great. Sometimes the low, doomy end sound they are going for is too much Jelly Belly. Case in point, uh, Jelly Belly. Case in point. Okay, he mentions uh, Sabbath, bloody Sabbath, a National Acrobat. It's kind of funny he brings up this point because I wanted to mention it there. I think I think uh, they've sucked some of the top end out of the guitars. Um, so it's not particularly the drum Sabbath doesn't have a big problem with no, uh, no top end. Um, master reality is kind of a funny, funny case uh, study in that. So maybe you might say something's missing there because the bottom end is so dominant on it. Now, Mick mentioned St. Anger, um, an interesting choice. I, I think that's a kind of a, int- you know, oddly They got a lot of heck for for recording that album that way. But the main thing that people are comparing about is it sounds like the snares are completely off on, on Lars' snare drum or or mostly off. Um, you know, you can have snares loose on a snare drum too. So, so that's taking some of the top end out of one of the drums. But uh, the rest of it, I mean, it, it sounds pretty much okay. Mick also mentions Carcass Symphony of Sickness, um, but he's kind of mentioning vocals a little more. He mentioned Saxon Crusader. Totally disagree. I think there's there's a lot of top end on on Crusader. Uh, let's see. Neil Miller mentioned uh, Rush Test for Echo. Interesting choice. I think it's there. Um, Asia Alpha, Black Sabbath Forbidden, Genesis trespass, Judas Priest Redeemer of Souls. that's an interesting choice because uh, it's true. Glenn Tipton uh, kind of got into this this uh, love of this obscure recording process that you hear on his solo album Baptism of Fire, and you hear on Nostradamus and you hear on Redeemer of Souls and nowhere else. So that's kind of kind of weird. and it is a lacking in top end kind of sound. He also mentions Nightwish, Endless Forms, Most Beautiful, No Idea, Dream Theater, A Dramatic Turn of Events, Didn't Check, Ger- George Harrison, All Things Must Pass, Stone Temple Pilots, Number Four, Queensryche, Tribe, and Ozzie, No Rest for the Wicked interesting choice with the Aussie again i think they were going for a kind of uh, mechanized manufactured sort of sound so um yeah there's kind of a behaveness in the in the symbols um you know and i feel that way about what tom derman did with uh, tom Werman did with cliff davies on um, you know those uh, those very behaved drum performances on the Ted albums. Uh, sometimes you could hear a lack of high end for that reason. All those, although those are so bassless that um, that you know high end kind of takes over by proxy there you go uh, if you like this show and want to support future episodes please go to ko-fi rhymes with no fee.com slash martin pop off hit that red support button and buy me a pint again I didn't do my ask I didn't do my uh, history and uh, Facebook or or main page ask I'm, I'm only going to do that or the reminder whatever you want to call it every second week but I didn't do it this week uh, anyways this uh, but still um, Joe Beck did Bel Air expediting came through Andy at Black Sugar Transmission Bruce Campbell David Fisher Ryan Gavalier Neil Miller Augustin Garcia de and Steve Polari thank you all very much um- been doing some more of those illustrations you can go see that stuff uh my whole gallery of all three clumps of those things i've been illustrating at martinpopoff.ca my new website for that uh, martinpopoff.com for the books of course i got the yes and the do or those are the two latest we'll have the bowie soon um and uh yeah artpal.com is uh is the gallery of where these prints can be turned into canvases or um you know they're just pencil crayon on black paper of rock stars kind of thing. You'll see it all there. Uh, but yeah, those, uh, those are all at ArtPal. pal. So, uh, so there you go. There's some no top end to go with our no bottom end. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you again next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase.